Greetings once again, my friends, and welcome back to Why We Geek, the show where we talk, where, where we take a piece of geek culture, whether it be big or small, and we take it apart and we show you guys why we love it, and in some cases why we hate it, and why we want to be able to fix it. But today we don't have to worry about the hatred, because this is the second of the major geek fandoms that we're going to be covering. Earlier this year, we covered Star Trek. Uh, it was me and Brenton, and we had a fun time while being able to do it. And today we get to take on the opposing fandom, because we're going to be taking on the space fantasy itself, Star Wars. And the coolest part about this is that I'm not alone, because this is actually going to be kind of a paired episode. So if you're only uh, a fan of my podcast, Why We Geek, this is also going to be paired into a part two for Geek News, Reviews, and Opinions, the other podcast that I run, and it's appropriate that we do that because I have the exact same panel that I would on a regular Geek News episode. So I'll go ahead and introduce them now, my fellow geeks, my fellow panelists, my fellow awesome guys in general. We're going to start things off with Brinton Volley of Brinton Volley Gaming. How are you doing tonight? Feeling traitorous. Traitorous? Yeah, oh. because I was talking about Star Trek, now I'm with Star Wars, so. <laughs> but but JJ but J. J. Abrams brought them together. I know, but I'm smiling as I say traitorous. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. I'll take that. There's I'll take like, that. I have no qualms sitting right here right now. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, and then we also are being joined by the Shadow Blazer himself, Alex Short. How are you doing tonight, Alex? I'm doing pretty well. Just got out of Star Wars. So I guess you could say I'm the forces with me. Yeah, this is kind of the pairing is that we're going to be taking on Star Wars as kind of a general subject. And then... The, the part two of this is that we're going to be going into our group review of The Last Jedi. So if you guys want to know our opinions on that, you need to listen to that. But finally, we are also being joined by the one guy that needs to be here for film analysis and legal knowledge and all of that is Stephen Romney of Studio Ghost Utah from From the Shelf, Romney's Reviews, Rhapsody in Cinema, Monster Clash. Is there anything I left out on that list? No, I, I think you've got everything. All right. And so, like I said, today we're going to be talking about Star Wars. And this is kind of a general one because... Star Wars, kind of like Star Trek, I would actually say Star Wars is a little bit bigger, especially when you dip into the expanded universe canon. Um, because unlike Star Trek, a lot more people have wanted to write for Star Wars, have wanted mm -hmm. to do additional stories for it. Not, I'm not knocking Star Trek, but Star Trek has been kind of picky with their authors. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you don't have a whole lot of expanded universe aside from what you've seen in the TV shows. Um, Star Wars, however, is huge. So that's why this is going to be kind of a general subject. And for people who are hoping that maybe we would talk about expanded universe canon, like say shows like Clone Wars or Rebels or the upcoming live action series that we've been hearing about. That's why this is a cool thing is because we can branch into other episodes talking about those specifically. I mean, for crying out loud, I have no problem talking about the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars because there's, there's more than enough stuff to delve into there. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to be taking on Star Wars in general, and we're going to cover as much ground as we possibly can, starting first with the usual question I start these podcasts off with. What was your first exposure to Star Wars? And what is your most beloved, the one that, that defines you as a Star Wars fan? Um, this is difficult to answer for most Star Wars fans because you have to actually equate it to a trilogy. That's usually how people understand this, because usually they're seeing the movies first. But uh, as an added bonus, if you want to show if you want to show off like your favorite expanded universe canon, you're more than welcome to do that as well. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. And that is my first moment. I've been told as a kid, uh, I went to go see Empire Strikes Back as a kid. I don't remember that very well. 
because uh, I think the, the film hit in like 1985, didn't it? 1980. So yeah, I wouldn't have even been born. So Return of the Jedi probably would have been my first film. And I don't remember that until much, much, much later when we rented it at a local video store and I got to see Star Wars for the first time in my memory. So Return of the Jedi is really my favorite and still a longtime favorite, even though I do enjoy the other films later on. Uh, Return of the Jedi is pretty much the the crux of everything that I loved about the original trilogy and uh, everything that I love about the story that that current movies are even trying to tell to this day. The reason that I love it even more, funniest thing is not even the movies. Um, the expanded universe is what got me in. Because the more ideas that you heard explored in the expanded universe, the, the more awesome things got, especially when in the prequel trilogy, we were all into the lightsaber fighting. So that was like the perfect time to go and look into the Old Republic and all, all of the, the lore surrounding the Jedi and the Sith. Um, but if you were into the original trilogy and you wanted the dogfights and whatnot, there were video games to go check that out, like X-Wing and TIE Fighter and uh, Dark Forces and numerous others. So really, the expanded universe in, to me is like what keeps me a Star Wars fan, because the movies are great and all, but the movies are sparse and few and far between. So... That's kind of my answer for it. Uh, let's go ahead and go round, round with Romney. What is the moment that got you a fan and what, what is the thing that keeps you a fan? Well, the very first memory I have with Star Wars, because and a lot of people are probably going to cry sacrilege when I say this, but the very first exposure I had was to the first special edition versions because the very first time I saw Star Wars was when they were doing the theatrical re-release of the special editions. And so... The first one I saw in theaters, and I actually don't remember much of watching the actual movie, I think I fell asleep because I was a kid, <laughs> was the was the special edition re-release of A New Hope. And then I remember that we then tried watching a showing of Empire Strikes Back, but we came in in the middle. So when we got into the theater, Luke was crashing into Dagobah, so I didn't even get to see the battle on Hoth until we got the VHS tapes. Yeah. But as for the moment where I actually got enthralled and actually considered myself a star wars fan and again kind of embarrassing but it would have to be when i watched the phantom menace now again it is not a perfect film but in the mindset of 10 year old me it was my like first real exposure to star wars to kind of the fervor of it all and honestly the moment that kind of made me interested in the franchise was well the duel with the battle against darth maul i thought yeah. it was i thought it was so amazing I, I had bugged my dad and we saw the film two more times and it was seeing just the the choreography of it all. That's kind of what drew me in. That was when I was actually hooked on Star Wars. That's when I went back, rewatched the original trilogy, tried reading some of the expanded universe stuff, but I wasn't really much of a reader. I tried skimming through parts of some of the other novels they released, like Jedi Apprentice, which was focused on Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon during the days of training, which it has its issues. Yeah. And so as for what kept, keeps me a fan, well, I'm very much... I'm not as much into the extended universe, at least I wasn't, until Lucasfilm was bought by Disney and they did the clean sweep of, okay, all of this older stuff is no longer canon. Which was probably beneficial for you. Yeah, because it gave me a good jumping on point, because then I, the, I then read Before the Awakening, which goes into detail with Poe Dameron, Finn, and Rey, and where they came from. I still, I bought a copy of the book, but I still need to actually read it, and that's Lost Stars, which is basically goes into more detail of what uh, kind of the minutia mm -hmm. of the empire and the rebellion. And so having this clean slate gave me a better jumping on point to get into the extended universe. But as, and so what kind of is keeping me as a fan 
not just because of the legacy the franchise has had on film history, but just kind of how it's shaped like film in general. And that's kind of more why I keep coming back to each of the movies is to see, okay, now that it's away from George, what can these new up and coming filmmakers exactly. bring to the table? And grant, and again, people have have heard my opinions about The Force Awakens, and they've heard how excited I was when Ryan Johnson was pegged as a director. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from, is kind of in how it's going to affect film industry going forward, because we now have a bunch of filmmakers who grew up with these movies now sitting in the director's chair, and it's away from the controlling hands of George. And I I know a lot of people are like quick to say, oh, George is awful, but... Well, I can. I, I kind of feel sorry for him. I see him as kind of a tragic figure in all this, but we can go more into more detail on that later. Yeah. As for my favorite extended universe, like Star Wars spinoff, I guess, aside from the only good version of Star Wars Battlefront 2, so one that actually tells an original story. Yep, about the 501st Legion. Yeah. Like, but thinking of like ones that I like because of the story that it tells, ugh, it's, it's a tough call, but... I, I partially do have a bit of a soft spot for Shadows of the Empire and kind yeah. of particularly the game because, well, the early parts of the game are pretty cool, but of course there's no, always the dreaded sewer level. Shadows had actually a lot of really great ideas on paper. Um, the fact that it kind of, the fact that it was bridging a gap between, between episodes. I mean, that I would actually dare say Shadows of the Empire or Clone Wars, at least the Genny Kartakovsky Clone Wars owes its existence to Shadows of the Empire. But the existence of the prequels actually owes its existence because that was Lucas yeah. testing the waters to see, okay, if I'm able to get people into the series without a movie, with all this merchandise and everything, it kind of tested the waters saying, hey, there's still demand. Let's actually go forward and make these movies. Well, but not only that, but taking taking events in between the movies. Sorry, guys, we're running on a little bit more of a portable setup. So uh, if, we, if we have random sounds here and there, I'll try and cut them out as best as possible. But um, the fact that we got to see little things like Luke building the green lightsaber that we eventually saw in Return of the Jedi, that was an amazing thing to be able to see. And the other cool part is that when you mix that in with the prequels, you will know that some of the parts used to build that lightsaber were Qui-Gon Jinn's lightsaber. Mm -hmm. So at that point, there's there's so much more to take away from that. Um, and the expanded universe canon just helps with that whole concept. The other thing I find interesting is you brought up that your favorite is the Phantom Menace, and what? Well, what, what it's actually not my favorite. That was just the film that the, made yeah, me a Star Wars the, fan. The, the thing that introduced you, but then what was the next thing you mentioned? The duel with Darth with Darth Maul and and Kenobi and Qui Gon Jinn. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of in a lot of ways, I actually considered it to be kind of, in my honest opinion, Star Wars has gateway drug movies. And the reason I do is because it gives you that that first surge of adrenaline from what the focus, in my opinion, of that trilogy is going to be. So in this case, A New Hope with the Death Star attack gave you dogfighting, which is what became the main focus of the original trilogy. And the duel with Maul gave us lightsaber fighting, which is what really defined the Clone Wars era and the prequel trilogy. So it's, it's pretty awesome to be able to do that. And then, as you guys will see, hear later on, I would actually dare say this new trilogy has found a, a really wonderful way to blend both into guess, being a gateway drug. I guess you could say it is finding a balance. It has found a balance. Oh, in oh my gosh. <laughs> Alex, what is your first exposure into Star Wars and what is your favorite by far? I don't know if you could actually go too much into Expanding Universe. Not really, but we'll get to that. Uh, my story is actually pretty similar to Romney's. It's... Uh, in the mid-90s, they began re-releasing the films into theaters. That's where I saw it. My parents took me and my older sister and probably my older brother. I can't remember. But 
we, we, they took us to go see A New Hope in theaters. I don't, I was still pretty young, so I don't remember a lot of New Hope in the theater experience. I think I recall maybe like walking into a wrong theater when I went out to go to the bathroom, which was still playing A New Hope, but it was like at a different point in the films, but which is why I was able to catch on quickly and not sit through the the movie in a whole wrong theater. But yeah, um, we didn't see Empire in theaters. I think my parents just decided we probably wouldn't have the attention span or whatever to sit through it. So they went out and they bought it on videotape. And that's how I saw Empire was on videotape. I still enjoyed it. And then when Return of the Jedi came about, we went and saw Return of the Jedi in theaters. And I'd say Return of the Jedi was really what solidified me. Because mm-hmm. that was the movie I can remember holding my attention a lot easier than A New Hope probably yeah. did. Although I, I think I enjoyed A New Hope, obviously. So, so the one question that I want to bring to you in this regard is that you say your first exposure was the, the new CG-ified trilogy that people don't like. It and I, I know that eventually you got access to the original well, films. It so, wasn't the cg it, This was the pre-CG. Yeah, like... Well, this, so this was the... the so, yeah, the... the this was the very first special yeah, edition. Yeah, like the THX mastered one that happened. Okay, yeah. yeah, all right. This is the one that the videotapes, I think, were pretty much based off. It, yeah, okay. the, the gold box tapes, because I still have I still have my well, tapes. Well, the, the gold box ones were the, the ones that were that were modified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, those were the ones that added scenes like Jabba the Hutt and New Hope and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So the, I didn't have those scenes. I have, as far as I remember, never. So you saw, them. what you're talking about is what uh, I think has affectionately been called the black cover tapes. Yeah, the black cover tapes. Yeah. You know. Where, I, where it was basically, they were brought up to a better definition and better sound, things like that. Yeah. Essentially, as close as theoretically possible, because we know that Lucas's lawn since been uh, changing the film gradually over the years, yeah. even since it came out in 77. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know exactly the extent. It's been a long time since I've seen the original black and the, mm. the original black box. I just remember what's been changed when it came to DVD. Yeah. And that's what I remember most. And, but it was, it was Return of the Jedi that really solidified me as a fan, I guess you could say. And when we had them on videotape, I mean, I watched those tapes to death. I'd watch them all the time. Mm. I just, every, occasion i felt like it i'd watch it and i'd even sit through those sometimes i'd sit through them anyway i'd sit through those long leonard malton interviews with george lucas that yeah. preceded each one and uh, i'll admit but, i did it once or twice but just because nothing against lucas but eventually lucas kind of gets rambly yeah uh, when he's talking but i, I could totally understand kind of your point of view on the matter um and, and some of those interviews like for the first time were amazing to be able to, to to see his insight into what he wanted done, even when it was a different director in charge, like what, what he tried to influence into the film mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to keep his vision going. Uh, and then, yeah, expanding universe canon. I don't, I don't know if we can really delve. Not too much, because I've you. never gotten really deep into the expanded universe canon. I guess I could. You've uh, seen the Gendy ones. Yeah, I can concur also with Romney that Shadows of the Empire for the N64, yeah. at least for me. I never read the book or any of the comics or anything, but I played the hell out of the N64 game, and I love that game still. It's a little clunky, but it's an early N64 this, this game. This is bringing me expect? back to like our Dragon Shadow playthrough <laughs> yeah. and then realizing just how much of the expanded universe you didn't know. It's true. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't know much. Because like you didn't realize that she, that Dash and Shizor actually had canon after that, and, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, really? They did? Yeah. yeah. Another close instance I came to experience to really learning more of the expanded universe. My sister, she had this big character book. It was a big character guide, and it just, 
I never really read through the whole text, but I'd always like read the basic stats of every character that they list. So it's like, oh, first appearance was this, and uh, yeah. death was this, and and sometimes I'd skim a little the text. I don't know if she still has that book, but I might need to actually go find, sit down and read it one day. At some point, we we do need to introduce you to like a few other characters that I think you would. I, I honestly am pegging you as a lover of Grand Admiral Thrawn. I really think you would love that character. Mm-hmm. So at some point, like you and me will need to sit down, maybe watch Rebels or maybe even do a playthrough of, uh, uh, I think TIE Fighter is what well, he showed up in. And I know that they there is a new Thrawn novel that Timothy Zahn wrote that right, was yeah. given the official blessing by Lucasfilm as part of the new EU. Because so. Timothy Zahn is God as far as Star Wars authors are concerned. Uh, so, okay, then we have Brinton. So what was your first moment into the Star Wars, into Star Wars canon and the, the moment that keeps you a fan, but also like an expanded universe moment, if you have one? Well, I can already say right now that I don't have an expanded universe um, moment in any sense of the word. Um, you say that, but then I'll go and find something and I'll be like, oh, it is expanded universe. You'd be like, ah, oh, darn it. Well, I mean, if, well, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think of something um specifically to answer and i'm just like i don't think i've you've like, watched rebels haven't you um like the tv show yeah no uh clone wars no wow really but yeah you, and you haven't played any of the star wars games that came out nope no. holy crap wow. man now i really feel old <laughs> <laughs> i didn't uh like not to make you feel older but i really didn't know any of that stuff was a thing to be completely honest um my first my first exposure to Star Wars was my mom who grew up with the original trilogy. Yeah. And so that was a thing in our household. Um I think I've even like mentioned this in like prior like uh occasions where you and I have like chatted and you know our viewers have been listening but yeah. as, but essentially like I was I was in a Star Wars family. Um I can't exactly remember I'm pretty sure it was a new hope. I I don't really have a concrete memory of watching the original trilogy when it was inter- when my mom introduced it to my sisters and I but what kept me going actually was um when I saw episode 3 I didn't know that they had done a prequel <laughs> trilogy to be completely honest Oh so so you're talking Revenge of the Sith and then you didn't realize there were other movies before it Yeah so I saw so I, so I saw the original trilogy You know and I wish I thought you like you did cuz that's really all the the only prequel I needed <laughs> Um yeah it like my Star Wars like it's it's so weird how I got into this universe because my mom introduced me and my like I said my me and my sisters to the to the originals which I watched and then I didn't even know they made an, you know, a prequel one prequel two. And then a friend of mine, when yeah. I was a freshman in high school was like, uh, was I think I was eighth grade and he was like, let's skip the last day of school and go see star Wars. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? Let's go see star Wars. Like just go to your house and see star Wars. And he told me not it's in the theaters up with those three. And so he had to like, um, wow. yeah, wow. I had, I had no idea they made episode one and two and had told this whole story about essentially how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. Obviously, the, obviously wow. the movie I saw was him, you know, Anakin becoming Darth Vader, but I was just like, Oh, uh, the, the thing that's dumbfounding me here is like we've come across the one guy that probably doesn't hate Jake Lloyd and <laughs> the, the one guy that doesn't have a whole lot of reason to hate Hayden Christensen. Oh, 
And to be fair, I, I don't like as someone who's seen the prequels. I don't really hate. I, I don't hate Jake I either. Hate but but I love the fact that the internet stigma is that everybody hates Jake Lloyd. See, like that's the funny thing. I've had people ask me, "Oh, you must not like the prequels if you're a Star Wars fan." And I'm like, actually, I I enjoy the prequels quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, three I've, three's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say um, as of right now, three is my favorite film out of like the eight plus Rogue One that I've watched. Yeah, I've like I really enjoyed it. I okay. I honestly really, really, really enjoy the prequels. Um, That's just funny to me because I think I think you said Return of the Jedi as well. Well, yeah, like I because for me, like Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the films because and of a particular said scene. Of the Jedi. I said Return yeah. of the Jedi. So we both all said like the end of the original trilogy. You're saying the end of the prequel trilogy is cool. what gotcha. So it's I'm the kind of movies that got us all. <laughs> I'm just kind of the outlier with what I prefer. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jar Jar Binks is hella annoying, but I mean, <laughs> and no, Jar Jar Binks is not a Sith Lord. I mean, that would be. I mean, that would be so bad if he just like pops out of nowhere and it's like, okay, sorry. Like if Disney legitimately does that, it will ruin Star Wars for me. I still remember like going out of my way to read somebody's weird out there theory that Jar Jar was really Snoke. And and somehow he lost his beak and he lost all of his all of the distinct features that made him Gungan. And he's like, no, no. If Snoke is Jar Jar, then I'm done with this trilogy. I am officially done. <laughs> well, if he is, then Jar Jar Binks is dead yeah. again. Well, he's dead Whether. either way. <laughs> <laughs> he is officially gone. Hopefully. No, he's you know, he's he'll come back somehow. Uh, of course. But um, as a Sith Lord always does. <laughs> but yeah, like my story is my story is pretty simple. I think my mom more or less, well, not more or less, pretty much. I think her one hundred percent for getting me into Star Wars. Okay. Um, and then I think my friend for. I don't even think I talked to him anymore. That's besides the point. I thank him for re inviting me back into the uh, saga, and then I've just been watching. You know, I've been watching it here and there. Um, really, what keeps me into the fandom. Because as we have all confirmed, I know nothing of the extended universe. Um, it's really the movies. It's really the movies for me. Um, when Nathan and I had our first foster son, we were trying to get him into the Star Wars um, universe because we had bought him a ticket for. Is Nathan into the extended universe? I mean, we're 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 a Star Wars couple. We're a Star Wars power couple. We love Star Wars. <laughs> I, I have I have to fix this now. I have to fix this. You guys need to. Like at some point, I just need to sit you and Alex down and show you Grand Admiral Thrawn, and just show you like some of the awesome characters that have come out of this. For crying out loud, Darth Revan! I'm totally down for like getting like delving into the expanded universe because I'm gonna have to tie some time like some time over before the Han Solo movie comes out, and we have two years episode before nine. Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I have plenty of time to get myself into it. But unfortunately, we're still on on kind of borrowed time at least until we can get into the last jedi stuff so let's go into the next question here and uh one of the things that is most beloved that a lot of star wars fans can agree is the characters of the star wars universe now here's the thing a lot of people go towards um they either go towards the default skywalkers or they go to like the beloved han solos and whatnot so here's what i'm going to do in this regard okay and as a bonus, if you want to bring up an expanded universe character, if you can, you can. But I, I know, I know. But um, the way I'm going to say this is your favorite. I'm going to say Skywalker, but really what I mean is like a protagonist. OK, so like the the main focused hero that, that we follow. So to bring people into uh, up to speed here, Luke would be the one of the original trilogy. Uh, then 
Anakin obviously would be the prequel one, and then Rey technically would count in in that Skywalker role in in the current trilogy. So your favorite main character, and then also a favorite side character that maybe doesn't get a whole lot of spotlight. Because here's the thing, Star Wars is an amazing universe, and a lot of good characters just don't get enough credit in, in this in this expand not just an expanded universe, a canon universe. They don't really get a whole lot of uh, a lot of credit. I especially love when when we do have expanded shows that go into the canon of Mon Mothma, and we don't realize like how awesome a character she is. So mine obviously is going to be Luke. I I have so many problems with Anakin. I really do, and most of them involving sand. And his chiclet teeth and the fact that he's forever destroying himself because of his love and all of that stuff. I can't necessarily get behind Anakin, but Luke, I felt, was the the best protagonist to follow. Uh, he's just an average guy. It was almost like an Arthurian story compared to Anakin, where he's just a lowly little farm boy and he realizes that he has a greater destiny ahead of him. And you got to follow him as he learned the truth. And as he learned how to make his way in life. And I find that a little bit appropriate considering Last Jedi. But Luke is probably my favorite main protagonist. And if I were to point out a favorite side character within it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get uh, hatred for this because I don't like Han. I hate Han with a blinding passion. How can you hate Han? I don't like Han. I, I never did. Well, like, I mean, he is a scoundrel. He, he's a scoundrel, but at the same time, like. I'm not the biggest fan of Westerns. And when I looked at Han, I went, okay, he's supposed to be the space cowboy. And I'm like, eh, no, I'm, I'm not into that. My favorite expanded is a very rigorous tie between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, because I, especially in the original trilogy, them being mentor characters is, is an amazing thing to see because my favorite, some of my favorite scenes are Yoda in empire strikes back when he's trying to teach Luke. And then another favorite of mine in return of the Jedi is when Obi-Wan finally starts telling the truth to Luke. And we, we start getting his viewpoint. And in fact, one of my favorite Allegheny's lines is, so what I told you was true from a certain point of view kind of thing. I, I love that. That's grays up the trilogy so much uh, for my liking. And then my favorite expanded universe character, at least for now, it's actually a tie between Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren. Oh my gosh, Rebels has done such amazing things with the former apprentice of Anakin Skywalker and also the last of the, uh, oh, I can't even remember the, she's she's the heir apparent of the Ren clan of Mandalore, but she is also uh, a very distant relation to uh, the, oh, oh, I can't ever remember his name. It's like Pre, Pre Vizsla. She's, she's kind of the last of the line of Pre Vizsla and therefore is one of the strongest Mandalorian clans. And they've done such amazing things with her in Rebels, including putting the Darksaber, uh, the fabled Darksaber in her hands. And the the story that they've been able to tell with her is it just it made me cry, Britain. It made me cry. The, the stuff that you learned about Sabine Wren. Uh, Romney, who would you say is your favorite main character and then your favorite side character? Well... In this case, the like favorite character overall, I would kind of argue that they're more the main character of the prequels than Anakin, and that would have to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like from Phantom Menace all the way through is kind of he is my favorite character. So you and and Alec is what is what you're saying. Yeah, both you and an Alec. Okay. And just kind of seeing kind of the journey, granted it wasn't communicated in the best of ways, but seeing how Obi-Wan kind of grows into the character most people 
no one love i find that pretty fascinating and it's kind of more or less the character i more or less at least growing up as a kid was someone i kind of tried modeling myself after trying to be kind of more like okay not giving in anger trying to be more calm more stoic i guess but still able to you know throw down if i need to yep it was <laughs> that bike is just not is not liking you right now oh well, yeah and, and basically Why don't you bring the cord to me and then we'll see if we can fix this there we go yeah, and so to me, like, Obi-Wan is kind of my favorite character. It kind of is the character I tried more or less emulating in my own life. I mean, it is kind of part of the reason why I actually started studying martial arts as a kid as well, was trying to kind of reach that point. Like, I, did, I didn't really honestly believe that I would actually become a Jedi, although I did write my fair share of Star Wars fan fiction as a kid as well, so. Well, oh my cool, gosh, The cool part I about Obi-Wan is that, like, I would actually say that's the one thing that's enjoyable about the prequel trilogy, is seeing Obi-Wan's development. Because you literally get Padawan in Phantom Menace, you get Jedi in Attack of the Clones, and then you get Jedi Master in Revenge of the Sith. And then eventually you just get, you get beyond that and what he's learned. Mm -hmm. And the important thing, and, and that's one of the things that I believe that at least episode three did right, is that, yeah, he was yeah. a good master, but he was not infallible. He no. did make mistakes, as is the case with when Anakin turned. It's a... I mean, it's something that could have been handled better, but it's something that even Obi-Wan in Empire acknowledged where he, in both New Hope and Empire acknowledged where he thought he could be like Master Yoda. He thought he had what it took to train someone like Anakin, but ultimately that didn't work out. And it very much is a case of, it's very much the classic case of, oh, you may think you're wise, but well, you got to be careful because if you act with hubris, things happen and well things did and that's kind of why i like the journey obi-wan takes as a character across all six movies is that you see like the faint glimmers of obi-wan seeing him like he's fully internalized the philosophy of the jedi but at the same time he's kind of he's kind of assumed that now granted not handled the best way but it's very much a case where you can see it almost as a trait he picked up from qui-gon who was a master who clearly liked bending the rules it's case of oh well clearly Qui-Gon saw something in this kid so I guess I'll I'll keep my promise I'll train him and try to make him a good Jedi and then the Clone Wars happened and all the craziness involved and so yeah so pretty much favorite character across the whole franchise is Obi-Wan Kenobi as for like favorite side character it's tough to say What's even cooler about that is like I would actually if you love the development of Obi-Wan, I would actually encourage you to watch Clone Wars because you learn so much more about the character that fleshes him out even more. Like I didn't even know. I don't even think the prequels tell you his origin. Like they don't tell you where he came from. And uh, Clone Wars did. And he is. A, so he's one in the long line of Mandalorian Jedi. And so when you actually learn that and, and you know the Mandalorian culture, which for those who don't know it, Boba Fett, Jango Fett all come from this. Um, then his headstrongness, his stubbornness actually starts to make sense. He comes from a warrior race. Yeah, and, and yeah, that, that's one series I keep meaning to get into. It's just, well, there's only so many hours in the day to watch a lot of things, and that, yeah. was, that was why I tried getting into the Jedi Apprentice novels that were made before Clone Wars. And I think those are based off the Obi-Wan game. Uh, sort of. Where, it, they try, where they try to show some of the accomplishments that Obi-Wan had as a Padawan yeah, before he was he was brought on by Qui-Gon. Well, yeah, it's just with Jedi Apprentice, it more or less tried to focus on the relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Okay. It just, it just over the course of the novels, because I got bored after the first book, but my older brother kept reading on to like the 12th book. And these were like junior scholastic novels that they would sell at book yeah. fairs. 
And so the, over, over the course of that series, it became more about Qui-Gon because then there was this case of, oh, another failed apprentice of Qui-Gon becomes like a recurring villain in those Yeah, um, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he, he fell to the dark side. And so you have to you have to have the conflicts with him. Yeah, I think they called him like Xanatos or Thanatos or something. Yeah, he he took on like a full on Darth name, I think. Yeah, and, and it was one of those things where I kind of got bored with it just because I didn't have the attention span to actually try reading seriously just because I'm a visual thinker. I think in visuals. That's why I'm yeah. going into film, not so much into writing. And so, yeah, so side characters, there's not there's not really any particular side characters that come to mind that I particularly pay attention to because, again, I didn't really try jumping into the extended universe until Disney made the clean sweep yeah. and gave a good starting point. So I guess good starting point wise of the of the new expanded universe mm, it's hard it, it really is hard to say because there's not really much that's coming to mind because i did like i guess the best thing i like from before the awakening is the short story where it kind of explored who finn was when he was a stormtrooper yeah. and kind of some of the side characters he, tra well, he even the trained stuff with, with even the stuff with poe is really interesting and gives you kind of a, a real look into why he is the flyboy that he is mm -hmm. so all right and then alex your favorite main protagonist and then favorite side character yeah i'd also say obi-wan kenobi's my favorite just because besides the fact luke skywalker's obvious answer but i, I like luke enough but Luke, yeah i like obi-wan kenobi because because he does have perhaps the most complete arc of every character that we see because he, we do see him go from lawn apprentice to master to fallen master then He's essentially the one to reassemble, reassimilate with the Force, and continue to mentor Luke a little more beyond. He's beyond secondly the second one hope. to do it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I'd say I agree with Obi. I like Obi-Wan Kenobi because I think he's just, he's a great mentor character. And See, and the, the, the best part about that, since we brought up the ghost thing, is like, remember how much he loved Qui-Gon. Like, mm -hmm. he, he looked at him as a father figure. Technically, Obi-Wan has done what Qui-Gon couldn't. Because Qui Gon never ascended. Yeah, he did. Well, yeah, he did. That in at the end of her Clone Wars canon actually establishes this. He he halfway did it. Uh, he didn't completely do mm. it, and he couldn't do it because he lost his body before he could. So at that point, there. So this is actually a really cool thing, and I would recommend if you can get on Netflix, watch the last season of Clone Wars because it actually explains where Yoda learns how to become like a Force ghost. And how he had to learn it because the person that actually guides him and leads him to Dagobah. A lot of people thought, no, he discovered Dagobah through the force and all that. No, he was led there first by Qui-Gon to then say, here is your destiny. Here's what you need to learn. Here's where you need to go to learn it kind of thing. And that's why he goes to Dagobah at the end of episode three. So, yes, I'm I'm ogling expanded universe in here. But it, that's, that's the cool thing about Star Wars, guys, is that its universe is huge. It's vast. It's got so many stories with so many amazing characters to be able to follow. Yeah, it sounds like I need to delve into it a little bit more because that was just that little bit of information. It's like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, no, those episodes are awesome because because not only do you, you learn like this is how he actually has to ascend this, but then you actually get to see Yoda go through some major trials. He has to go with like the, the diametric opposites. He has to go with the ultra light. And then he has to go to Moraban and confront his dark side to be able to learn how to do this properly. 
Wow. So at that point, it, it's an amazing thing. And, and the best part about it is that they actually brought in Mark Hamill. The first time he ever got brought into Clone Wars, he br- was brought in to play an ancient Sith Lord, Darth Bane, the very one that created Always Two. There are no more, no less. The very Darth that created the rule of two. Mark Hamill played him. So I guess that's still canon then. <laughs> it, it has actually still canon. Uh, Clone Wars, Rebels, and then all of the stuff that's come after Force Awakens is, is considered canon. But, uh, so, I interrupted you on that one, because you were saying Obi-Wan, and then I don't think you got to your side character. I suppose side character, I still, I like Lando, uh, mostly because of the way Bill... <laughs> Good <laughs> for you, I don't like Lando, and the reason I don't is because Battlefront 2! <laughs> Any, yeah, well, nobody cares about Battlefront 2. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking EA Battlefront 2, I guess, yeah. Yes, the character, but the character they made him, mean, he's like, he's seriously like a stealth character. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, well, I've always liked Lando because I always like Billy D. Williams. I think he's very charismatic and charming in that character. Okay. All right, and then Brinton, your favorite main character and your side character for the Star Wars trilogy. So I'm laughing because I want to answer the side one first, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> anyway, I would say Luke Skywalker for me as well. Am I uh, for my favorite main character? And my thoughts and feelings are extremely similar to what you've already stated, Adam. Um, I'm like, like I look at him as an underdog and I'm just a sucker for underdog stories. Yeah. I mean, they could be so poorly written and I would still... I'm I'm just a sucker for an underdog. So yeah. that's Luke Skywalker for me. It was it's cool to see his journey, to see where he gets, and then it's been fun to uh see who he has become in the most recent film and see how he contributes to yes. the current trilogy. So but of course that will be more for later. Um yeah. my <laughs> my favorite side character, Chewbacca. There, there has to be love for Chewie. There has to be. And, My, and, and here's the thing: I love Chewie way more than I love Han, and and part of that is because I love it when Chewie mouths off to Han. I um, my reason for it is because um, when my mom watched Star Wars for the first time, she was and. I mean, my love for Chewbacca comes from my mom's love of Chewbacca. Okay. She said that she would go to school and all the girls would be like, oh, I want to be Princess Leia. I want to be Princess Leia. Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I want to be for her for Halloween, that kind of shit. And my yeah. mom was like, I want to be Chewbacca. <laughs> like, that's awesome. Like, that, that, that's my mom for you. She, I mean, she... He could rip people's arms off. Why would you disagree with this? I mean, he's, he's awesome. He's fun. I mean, to an extent, I want, like... I mean, I want, my, I want a Chewbacca. One, he's the only one, I think, in the original trilogy that made a, a fourth wall reference when he did the Tarzan yell that <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. Everything else is, is so in canon that they, they kept it that way. Um, but even then, Chewie just has amazing points throughout each movie, whether it, whether it's just like he gets to have that moment in A New Hope or Wookiees are known to do that, kid. Uh, and then episode five, I, I especially loved him trying to rebuild C-3PO. That was amazing to be able to watch because he got it all. You put me together backwards. <laughs> I love that moment. He's like, shut up. Uh, and then uh, it probably is probably my favorite um, Return of the Jedi moment would be on Endor where he's like, he's basically the god of the the god of the uh, I was about to say the god of the Wookiees, but no, the god of the uh, Ewoks. Oh, C-3PO. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying like he's he's the bigger Ewok and, and a oh. lot of the victories that they had were because of him. Like the fact that he could pilot an ATST and 
and all that. No, Chewbacca is amazing. He's an amazing character to be able to follow. I mean, once I unlock him in like Lego Star Wars, I don't play anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Or or actually, I would say a lot of the really good comedy moments in Force Awakens were to Chewie. Uh, Just, you know, with him trying to beat the crap out of Finn or... uh, trying to get Han or or Han basically trying to take his bowcaster away from him. <sighs> so many great things. Okay, so so we have some awesome characters to be able to bring in there. Now, we've done heroes. Who are our favorite villains of Star Wars? And that's that's difficult because a lot of people go towards the default answer, Darth Vader. So, I'm I'm just going to say f- if you I'm going to do like favorite Sith lords kind of thing cuz you have Palpatine and you have um vader but that also allows for for characters like maul dooku um be able to do those and then also if you want to bring in kylo ren into the mix so do that and then also favorite like side villain and uh for me i I gotta go with the original i gotta go with darth vader darth vader is like one of the few that has such lasting power just seeing that black armor going down the hallway you know you're not going to survive in fact one of my favorite things that happened at a rogue one is we just got to see how vicious vader is and uh the only time that that expanded universe people had ever seen it was the force unleashed where he joins the assault on kashik and you're giggling at this one romney but like it, like that's I, that's a that's a moment of power in that game i know it's just i'm just reminded of an achievement you get from that that opening level where it yeah. literally is worst day shift manager ever yes exactly <laughs> and, it's, and to kind of explain there's this web series called chad vader and he's basically a I love Chad Vader. He's basically a manager at a grocery store. And the funny thing is, the person who played Chad Vader is now the official voice of Darth Vader in oh. like in oh, the wow. games and and in the TV I haven't shows. seen any of this stuff, but but people did bring to my attention that. Yeah, and so that's why they have that achievement in The Force Awakens of worst day shift manager ever when you like I think it's when you kill a bunch of your own guys during that <laughs> level, you get that achievement saying like worst day shift manager ever. But but again, that's awesome. But again with Vader, um not only do you get the amazing scenes like in Rogue One, where he's just ripping people apart, and he's really like the one of the main focuses of that movie. Um, you also, when you go into like expanded universe canon, you don't realize just how powerful Vader still is, even though he's been seriously hampered by his incident on Mustafar. And also the cool the cool part about Vader is that, you know, they said it so many times in the original trilogy that Darth Vader destroyed, betrayed and destroyed or betrayed and murdered Anakin Skywalker. And when you get into expanded universe canon, you don't even know the half of it. It's like they're multiple personalities and the Vader personality just took over. Uh, And it's, and and it's only Vader at that point. It's not even Anakin anymore. So that's, that would be my favorite main villain. And uh, I'm just going to throw out some love to, uh, to as a side villain, because, Everybody knows Palpatine's amazing, and I don't even need to point that out, especially, again, go watch Clone Wars, because you get to actually have a badass moment with him uh, where he gets to take on Maul and his apprentice, uh, and and he does it like with very little effort. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we're going to establish this guy has a lot of power. Yes, he does. Uh, but the other one I'm going to give it to is I got to, and that is. Peter Cushing himself, Grand Moff Tarkin, uh, for crying out loud, like. Even in, even in the expanded universe canon, you get so much more on that character and just how Hitler-esque that guy was. Like, everybody thinks that the real Hitler figure uh, is the Emperor, but then you go a couple of steps down and you realize there are other Hitler figures below the Hitler figure. 
Uh, and Tarkin, especially as much as I give the bullet of face a little bit of crap on Rogue One, the, me- the, the scenes that you do get with Tarkin are absolutely menacing. And you, you immediately feel bad for this researcher whenever he disappoints Tarkin. And that's the character that I think even Peter, Peter Cushing was trying to show in the little screen time he had in A New Hope is this guy is evil incarnate. You don't even need to see the Emperor. This is as nasty as it gets. And so I'll, I'll give it over to Grand Moff Tarkin and uh, Expanded Universe. If I got to throw it in there, I got to go to Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn because if there was anybody that was absolutely worse than Grand Moff Tarkin, it would be Thrawn. Thrawn is that nasty. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll, we'll go, uh, Brinton next. So your favorite villains of star Wars. Um, so I'm, I may be the only one who says this and I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't know if either Romney or Alex will say it, but I'm actually really digging, um, Kylo Ren. I'll, I'll admit, like I wasn't entirely digging him in force awakens, but last Jedi kind of moved me over or won me over. So I'm at least there on last Jedi. I'm, I don't know, like even even in uh, The Force Awakens for me, uh, as kind of like, what's the best way to put this? I mean, I kind of felt like he was, um, he was, no, no, that's not the best way to put it. I'm like, I'm talking out loud now for some reason, but um, I don't know. I just love the conflict that is just like within him. Yes. I love the fact that, like, I feel that he, I feel like his character is somebody who was presented the opportunity for a lot of power, much as like yes. Anakin was. And he just, he took it not fully knowing the, that like the dis- disastrous effects that could come from accepting and yeah. trying to control such great power. Um, somebody obviously needed to speak with Spider-Man, but um <laughs> Well, um, the only reason I can't take I can't take Kylo seriously is actually kind of partially responsible from him and Aldo when they were constantly making jokes after Force Awakens. Like, could somebody please give Kylo a stress ball because <laughs> <laughs> of the temper tantrums he was having? But well, like that, that's the cool part about Last Jedi is he had those tantrums again, but that actually felt powerful. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I guess uh, I always kind of when I see people like that, I always like taking the psychological approach or just trying to figure out, you know, you know, why do you act this way? What could have possibly happened to you? Yeah. What kind of trauma did you experience for you to begin ever acting like this? And I mean, I mean, like, I know you don't like Khan, but he had like a kind of a cool dad. His mom was pretty badass. He had a pretty sweet uncle who taught him the ways of like the Jedi Order. And then he just like completely threw that all the way to fall to the dark side of the force. And you can see that is a huge major point of conflict for him. Even in the last Jedi, you notice that a lot Mm -hmm. that he like, he's struggling. And of course, like I'll, of course, if we get, have an opportunity to speak more about that, I'll talk more kind of like my viewpoint as his character evolved in the last Jedi, but I'm really digging him. He's pretty awesome. Um, and he like he's just interesting to observe, and I know he's fic- like it's fictitious, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I just get off at analyzing and observing fictitious characters. So. I like it personally. I want to see that's something I want to see more is like these psychological breakdown of like every fictional character imaginable because it well, fascinates me to get inside a character's head. Well, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a whole subgenre on the internet doing that sort of thing. Yeah, I gotta get myself into that community then. <laughs> um, I don't really have like. Like that's really the only answer I have. I don't really have like a favorite side villain. Okay. Um, 
like Kylo Ren. That's my answer. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Alex, your favorite villain and favorite side villain. Yeah, I'd also go with you that Darth Vader still stands as my favorite. Uh, mostly because I always felt like he did have that presence to be commanded, especially in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. In A New Hope, he's there, of course. But in Empire, it's when he really has the presence to be commanded because he just executes uh, his generals or admirals left and right for their failures well, the, the the part that i, th- I think kind of cements the argument is like in, in a new hope he was way too aggressive now with rogue one we can see why he was he was all that aggressive but uh, at that point it was just like he was kind of like how people perceive kylo in force awakens he was just way too angry and then they what they did with empire correct me if i'm wrong alex is they turned on the subtle a little a little bit more with him and then we had all those executions of the captains and the admirals. And you got to see people kind of quickly rise up of the ranks if they ever disappointed him. So much so, like, to, to the point of mere interruption. Like, people were fearing for their life. Like, one of my favorite moments in that whole thing is going into his... I guess it's a simulation chamber, but it was more like a... it was For him, it was more like a, an, a silent echo chamber kind of thing to feel the force. Um, where Admiral Piet has to come in and tell him the bad news that they, they've escaped him yet again, but he knows that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. He's thought ahead. So I, I love the fact that they even did this. Yeah. And another makes me think, adding on to that, like it's right after the Falcon es- escapes out from Cloud City and uh, Vader's just at this point, he's done. He doesn't do anything that that can, yeah. can shows you that he's just done. And it's it's just perfect the way it's the scene is shot, the way it's structured. You know, the Admiral's thinking, oh, Vader's totally going to kill me right now, but he's just, Vader just walks on and moves along, and that's it. And another great scene just to show Vader's menace is really the moment Luke comes to confront him on Cloud City. Yeah. When he just enters the chamber, the carbonate chamber. Oh, you're, t- you're talking the epic moment where the lightsabers come out. Yeah. If, everything leading up to that. I mean, Luke comes into this dark chamber. It's very quiet. And yeah. you just hear his breathing. And he's like, the force is strong with you, Skywalker. It's one of those things that I I, I love you, George Lucas. But and, and if you were part of that scene, I, I, I take this back. But that's why you needed other directors is because nobody could. Like, if you look at A New Hope compared to Empire, there's no way you could have painted the scene like that in A New Hope. You yeah. couldn't have done it. Yeah, and very much you needed the Lawrence Kasdan and Irvin Kirshners to bring that sort of atmosphere yeah. to life. Yeah. yeah, because that that's really a moment that epitomizes the fact of, of a David versus Goliath battle that, mm-hmm. that Luke versus Vader was. Yeah. As for side villains, I guess you could count them as a side villain here. It would be Count Dooku from episode two and yeah, three. Yeah, I'm counting. Yeah. Uh, it's always interesting to me that Count Dooku was a an older experienced Jedi who just left the order on his free will and cause yep. he grew fed up with it and decided, I think Darth Tyrannus has more going here than I think. And I think the Jedi order is corrupt and that's why I'm joining. It's not just, you know, where Kylo Ren and Anakin Skywalker fall by temptation of power. Dooku just leaves on his own free accord. And it's especially telling when you see, because the thing people kind of forget is that Dooku was Qui-Gon's master. And so you can yeah. already, you can kind of see where Qui-Gon's rebellious streak more well, or less came not from. Only, not only that, he was Qui-Gon's master, but up until that point, like it wasn't really established well in the movies, but Yoda did take on multiple apprentices and, and pretty much any youngling that was in the tam- temple was technically Yoda's apprentice. But 
up until that point, movie two established him as Yoda's apprentice. So it's like Yoda, this pinnacle, this paragon of goodness, and you fell to the dark side. That's that's telling as far as anybody is concerned. Go ahead. Sorry. That's pretty much it. I don't really have an expanded universe villain. Okay. I, I would technically say Dooku, like, especially when you go into the, like the Clone Wars Dooku, there's even more there. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I do love about Dooku is that the viewer knows who Tyrannus is, not anybody else. Because uh, we, we all saw the scene between him and the Emperor, and just, you know, welcome home, Lord Tyrannus. And uh, it took Clone Wars to actually find out, like for the Jedi to find out who T- Darth Tyrannus was. Up until that point, they knew that this Tyrannus guy had worked something out with Jango, and they knew nothing more about that character. Yeah, although they do mention in, at least, because like, I know at the very least when they're briefing Padme about it in Episode 2, they it, by that point, they at least know, I guess maybe they don't know that Doku's Darth Tyrannus, but they do know that Doku is part of the Separatists, and that he's one of the major leaders. Well, they know that Dooku is, but they don't know that necessarily Dooku is Tyrannus. The, okay. first, the first reference to Tyrannus is from Jango. Where he's like, no, I didn't take a deal from anybody. I took a deal from a guy named Tyrannus off the moons of Bogdan. And he didn't say who who the guy was or anything like that. Yeah, it was a weird... Because I remember seeing the scene that explained that in Bounty Hunter, and it was it was weird. It was weird, The final yeah. boss battle in Bounty Hunter is weird. Yeah, it really is. So, and Django's canon got kind of effed up because of Bounty Hunter. So, at, at that point, all right, so you have Dooku and you have Vader... Romney, who are you stepping up as your favorite villains? Well, I guess for like main villain, it would have to be the Emperor. Because mainly, I mean, one, to kind of borrow the phrase from Harry Plinkett, in the prequels, he looks like the only character who's having any fun with what he's doing. (laughs) I mean, it's very much, and it's very much a case of he's evil, he's Machiavellian, he's basically manipulating. It's very much, hey, these Jedi and these senators, they're all my puppets, and I'm manipulating them at will. And then you just see how that sense of power further twisted Palpatine between the events of the prequel trilogy to the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, a lot of people, now it is a criticism people brought up of, oh, well, all Siths can use force lightning. But when you consider Palpatine as a character where his power, his abilities with the dark side of the force is so strong, it's very much a case of, oh, if he wanted to, he could have just stopped Luke's heart to just kill him and drop him like that. But he doesn't. Why? Because he wants him to suffer. He, it's very much, oh, well, I see someone who's younger, more powerful, and he still has most of his limbs. So, <laughs> hey, join the dark side. You know that deep down you're just exactly like your father. But then when Luke doesn't turn, he's like, oh, okay, then I'm, I'm going to make you suffer then. And thus zapping him like crazy. And it's very much because he he is that powerful. He's just like, yeah, I know I can do this. And there's not a damn thing you can do to stop me. No. So, yeah, I, I gave you a chance. But guess what? You're, you're now going to be a battery for a while. Mm-hmm. And and the the cool part also about Sidious is or or Palpatine in a way is like you you see his lust for power come out oh oh so very little like he can literally hide it very very well but in tandem with that he is the puppet master everything is under his control yep and especially when Anakin and that's one of the scenes that I do like from Revenge of the Sith when Anakin first confronts him and even pulls out his lightsaber and he's just like he's just like are you going to kill me and he's just like I want to and she's like oh yes. And I mean, it is kind of like Palpatine's kind of getting off on it. It's like, oh, yes, I know you want to kill me. I know that deep down that's what you want to do because this is really who you are. You're not really a Jedi. You don't want to follow their ways. You want to basically whip out the lightsaber and start slashing things left and right. And just just that pull, push and pull between Anakin and Palpatine. Again, if it was a much better movie, that would have been more of the focus. But that's one thing I liked is just that push and pull of, of the, it's very much, I guess the best comparison is like with Hannibal Lecter when yes. he's immediately pegged 
Agent Starling or the other or Ed Norton's character in Red Dragon, where he immediately it's very much okay. Prior to this, he didn't really have a bang. He's just like, oh, now I know your weakness. Now I know what button to push, and I'm gonna push it. And what does Palpatine do in that? It's like, oh, I know that you're frustrated with the Jedi. Oh, you're having dreams that your wife is gonna die in childbirth. I can help you. I'm gonna push this button to get you to do what I want. And then we got one of the best scenes in Episode Three, which where he taught, told the tale of Darth Plagueis. Um, but the other thing too is like you kind of pegged it. He's the ultimate. He's the master manipulator. Not only did he know how to pull Anakin's strings, he knew how to pull Yoda's strings. He mm-hmm. knew how to pull everybody's strings. And ev- like again, I, I'm trying very hard not to bring expanded universe all the time, but you, like people don't even realize just how in control Palpatine was at the end of that. Everything was going according to plan for him. Very little wasn't going according to plan. I mean, he literally was able to set things up so that the Jedi were the enemy. Mm-hmm. And it looked like they were the enemy. Where th- And it gave enough of a situation where this empire that he'd always wanted was deemed necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, he, you know, not only did he take complete control over the army, but he also was able to create the Galactic Empire in the way that he wanted. And even when he died... He had plans in place that were basically scorched earth mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, if I can't have it, no one else will. Yeah, much like how an actual dictator would run things. Yeah. And that's one thing to Lucas's credit is that I do like that he did pull a lot of things like that from yeah, history. Yeah, because I think Palpatine is a lot of his of, of his design, isn't he? I don't think a lot of directors manipulated that. Yeah, not a lot of people. There weren't a lot of changes with Palpatine. And it's especially telling considering that in an earlier draft of Star Wars the emperor was meant to be an allegory for Richard Nixon. I'm not making this up. (laughs) Well, yeah, because people forget before making star Wars, Lucas was being set up with a project that would be like his big passion project that like all of his friends were behind him. It's like, Oh yeah, go forth and do it. And what was that project? Apocalypse now. But after, but after a while, he's just like, you know, we don't really have anything like flash Gordon or any of these superhero things that we had growing up that made us want to go into film. I kind of want to make something like that. Mm -hmm. And so turning down apocalypse. Now he went to do, a new hope and so it's just you see like those elements it's a case of that's where i'm thinking okay there is some method to lucas's madness it's just a case he needs people there to manipulate that madness to create something great and that's why as the nice counterpoint to obi-wan palpatine is the other good thing from the prequels because you see that rise of power yes and even it was something i noticed even like looking at like looking at the phantom menace where when he sees anakin and like knows how anakin as a kid destroy the droid control it's like oh yeah well, well it's like we're gonna keep an eye on you with great interest and it's a case of oh because he knows that there's something with this kid yeah he just doesn't know how to use him yet but he knows there's something so even back then he could tell oh this is a potential piece that i'll need to use mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so uh, just to kind of bring things into because we got to actually wrap things up and the final question that i want to get into is more importantly star wars isn't done um we, we've been talking a lot about the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy you brought up kylo ren here and there but we have an existing trilogy that's going on right now. And we even have additional movies that are going to be coming out. We've already had Rogue One, uh, which told the story of how the Rebellion got the plans for the Death Star in the first place. We are now going to be getting also a Han Solo movie that I think is coming out next summer, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So a Han Solo movie, we don't really know what that's detailing in his in, in Han's life, but that'll be awesome to be able to see. After episode nine, there's still supposedly a Boba Fett movie that's going to be coming out, kind of chronicling his life from what I understand from childhood all the way up to where he was in Return of the Jedi before, you know, the unfortunate Sarlacc incident, uh, which was one of many (laughs) for poor Boba. (laughs) 
See, sometimes the expanded universe canon is amazing. And then you also have moments where Boba Fett was swallowed by the Sarlacc monster four times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Not one, not two, not three, four times. Four times. Which means he survived three times. (laughs) And he still ended up in the Sarlacc. You know, you'd think after the the second time, he'd avoid tattooing like the plague. Yeah, but then again, that's what happens when you work for Jabba, who was going to be like my my other favorite villain. Yeah. is Jabba the Hutt, but it's also that same case, that sense of influence. You know, even though Jabba literally can't move, you know how much power he exerts. Yes. So even though Boba, it would be in Boba's best interest to avoid Tatooine, it's a case of, well, he, he's got the money. I mean, he's the one who's put out this bounty on Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so going into the to the existing movies and also the Disney acquisition, like, are we optimistic about where Star Wars is going moving forward? I mean, we still have the Han Solo movie to look forward to. We have Episode Nine, which does does it have a new director? Uh, yeah, J.J. A- Abrams is J. J. Abrams directing is Episode Nine after Colin Trevorrow. I think got canned. I think. Yeah, he got canned. Um, so th- we have that, and then we also have the Boba Fett movie, and eventually a brand new trilogy that's being written and produced by Ryan Johnson. Uh, so that shows how, how good of a relationship you have with Disney. Where do we see Star Wars moving forward? Are we optimistic about it or are we more negative about it going forward? Obviously, The Last Jedi just barely came out. So without spoiling, because we'll be spoiling the hell out of it in part two. Um, where do you see this trilogy moving forward? Are you optimistic about it or are you hating where they're going? I personally can say I'm loving where they're going. Because um, even though... I get a lot of the dislike that happened with Force Awakens. You guys can kind of attest to this, both Alex and Romney, is like, I still walked away getting everything that I wanted out of it. Last Jedi did the same thing. Rogue One, you and I saw it, Romney, and we mm. were both really mm-hmm. into what they were doing. Um, I, I'm only optimistic. I Every new movie that we get from Disney just makes me even more optimistic about the, the next episode or the next side story that they're going to try and tell. So let's go ahead and go with Romney first. Well, I'm of two minds on this. In regards to like the main, like the direction of the current trilogy, I'm fairly optimistic, although I'm still not a particular, particularly enthused with the fact that Abrams is going to be directing episode nine. Because again, I've voiced my complaints yeah. about The Force Awakens. And to kind of summarize briefly, Abrams, he's good at building a mystery, but when it comes to composing images, it's not a strong suit. Well, the, the other thing that we have to consider is like the pro the, the, like the ones that we're concerned about, the problem films in this are the ones that are coming up. Mm-hmm. So we have Han Solo, which was originally supposed to be directed by the, the people who made the Lego movie. Yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And then they had to bring in um, Ron Howard Ron Howard to be able to finish that out. You had Crawlin Trevor, uh, Trevor Colin Trevorrow, who was brought in and then got canned. And now they're having to have JJ step in to fix the problem. And Boba Fett has gone through how many directors and writers since then? Yeah, so many. And so we're actually coming up on the problem fills as of right now. Yeah, so and that's kind of why I'm of two minds. So direction of the current trilogy, I'm optimistic, especially given the groundwork we got with The Last Jedi, but I also have some problems with The Last Jedi, and I don't know if they're from Johnson himself or stuff that was put in via Kennedy or Abrams, who was also a producer. And the spinoff movies is where I'm kind of worried because of what we've mentioned. The Han Solo movie, and from what I've heard, they were like halfway through production when Lord and Miller were fired. It wasn't like, it was very much... Yeah, it was like half to 75%. Yeah, like they were almost done shooting the thing, and then Kathleen Kennedy fired them, and they had to bring in Ron Howard. So whenever that happens with a film, and it's something we saw with the Attack on Titan movie, where you can tell 
that certain scenes had one director and certain scenes had another. And sometimes you can make a film work to work with such a disjointed tone, but yep. it shows. And that's what I'm worried about with the spinoff movies. And as for the new trilogy, knowing that Ryan Johnson is at the helm, I'm not nearly as worried because Ryan Johnson is, is probably one of my favorite modern filmmakers because I absolutely loved Looper. He has a really good sense of act of using the visuals to reinforce the narrative, something that a lot of filmmakers nowadays just don't know how to do, and it's frustrating. Yeah. And so I'm optimistic about the direction of the current trilogy. The spin-off movies, not so much. And that's kind of where and that's kind of where I'm worried because they're trying to basically force Star Wars into the same Marvel model of trying to create the case of, oh, we're gonna try yeah. to hammer out multiple movies a year instead of, you know, having the one good movie come out each year. Which um, is worrying because like we don't want to have the, the a lot of people don't see the downside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that eventually people are gonna get tired of it. I'm already tired of it. That's why yeah, I don't you, review You're already there. Like some of us are already kinda getting there. I'm kinda getting there. Like Infinity War to me almost seems like a really good stopping point because then at that point all the changes are gonna come in. So uh, if they put it in the exact same model as the Star Wars universe into the exact same model people are going to get tired of Star Wars. And I can't even believe I'm saying that, but it's entirely possible. Yeah, because you don't want to oversaturate your market. And that's kind of what worries me. Hopefully Kathleen Kennedy is... Because she, she she very much cares about the franchise. She's trying to make yeah. keep a good degree of control. So hopefully it won't get to that point. But I'm just worried with Disney's influence, they may try to force it into that point. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably... That's actually my worry too, is that Disney will eventually get into the cash cow mentality and they'll they'll start wanting to milking milk these things for all their work. But the problem is is their audience is eventually just gonna get bored because there's not really anything different you're doing. Yep. Uh, Alex, where are you standing with the the new trilogies? I think my lines line my thoughts line up exactly with Romney's. It's uh both a sense of optimism but also a sense of concern because of the ex the extreme amount of uh movies that are coming out you know even though I, as somebody who didn't get much into the extended universe as a kid you know this sounded like the greatest idea ever to have more and more movies but there is that sense there's a building bubble how long till it bursts and how long yeah. before we're all just fatigued and kind of sick of it we mm -hmm. made the marvel example yes i think we're all getting a little fatigued with marvel movies right now so that's my concern. And we're right now with the Star Wars movies where we were when the when the Marvel Cinematic Universe was starting. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, you know, with the spinoff movies, it seems like there's a lot of they're having a lot of problems kind of keeping those yeah. together, keeping those running smoothly. They can't seem to lock down the Boba Fett movie for production. They had bumped heads with uh, the Lord Chris Miller, which led them to getting fired. You know, it's sort of like how much is Disney wanting to control i mean they spend a billion dollars on this can you really blame them yeah and how much are they gonna let the filmmakers do be ambitious a little ambitious with it just uh, just as george lucas was able to be ambitious with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy yep all right and then brinton what, what are your thoughts on it um again not to repeat that which has already been stated i like you know i'm i'm happy with what i've seen so far uh, the fact that you mentioned a possible like episodes 10 through 12, that actually kind of bothers me. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking about this with some well, of this. They wouldn't be episodes. They're, they've already been confirmed. They would be in a whole different area of the galaxy and, and with different characters. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but still, like, um, like I was um, about to say, I was talking to some of the students that I work with at um, Alta, 
And I was saying, I feel like they could wrap up like trilogies with episode nine and just conclude it. I'm yeah. not like, I was a little worried when they announced um, episode seven after Disney bought Lucasfilms. And I was like, uh, do we really need like an episode seven? Because obviously episode eight and nine was a thing that everybody automatically knew was going to happen because Disney is just notorious about like sequel, 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 sequels. And, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes Disney makes a good sequel. Sometimes Disney doesn't make a good sequel. It's um flip and flop. Yeah. I, I was happy with a force awakens two years ago. I would like, I mean, I'm, I was pretty happy with the last Jedi this past Friday. Um, I loved Rogue One. Rogue One was super awesome last year, which was like a nice little filler to wait for, you know, this past Friday. Um, But the again, the idea of a possible 10 through 12 esque episode trilogy, I I'm I'm not I'm not excited for that idea at all. Um, I think ending it with like Boba Fett and calling it good and just letting and just letting Disney letting it sit for like five years. Yeah, like, and the thing is, we've mentioned Marvel a few times, and I find it funny because this is the Star Wars podcast. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not fatigued yet with, um, with Marvel. Yeah. But I do feel at a certain point you're kind of getting there. I, I'm, I eventually will get there. Yeah. There have been rumors of a Phase Four. I am not all. I like if they say there's a Phase Four, I'm done. I, I, I almost can't. want Phase Four to be like a reboot kind of thing because like robert danny jr can't be iron man forever that would be a really great time to to like reestablish iron man i mean i know i know for the past couple of years and i well it's actually almost been a decade because (laughs) because the hulk came out in 2008 holy crap 2000 uh, yeah 2008 for iron man oh my gosh it's been 10 years no (laughs) but anyway i mean like if you think about it with marvel it's been 10 years yes it's and I understand for this past decade, it's been like books into movies, like comic books into movies. I, I'm again, I'm not fatigued, but at the same time, I want to see something. I want, I want to start going to the movies to see something a little bit more original. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I love the Marvel movies I've seen. I love the fact that we're getting these Star Wars movies, but at, yeah. I mean, by the time it's about, I would say maybe early 2020s which is when most of these films are going to start wrapping up and coming to an end. I think this little, this little montage of cinematic universes needs to come to a close. It really does. And I think DC should follow suit with it. I know they kind of started it, but they're late to the game and they need, and I think they need to end it as quickly, like end what they started as quickly as possible. And we start a new era of movie making or else one of my favorite things that I love doing, which is going to see movies and talking about it with you guys. Like I'm not going to want to do it anymore. Exactly. Especially Mm -hmm. with how expensive ticket prices just get year after year. And Mm -hmm. they're going to get even more expensive with like, with like technological advances and with how much they're going to be putting into movies, they're going to, they're going to definitely raise ticket prices again. I can believe it just so that these films can make a profit. Yeah. Not that Star Wars wouldn't be able to make a profit, but yeah, I mean, who's not to say that one day somebody's going to put in five billion dollars into a movie production and, you know, they're going to have to make that back somehow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that even people like Spielberg and Lucas have warned people about. I mean, I remember we covered the article back in our radio SLC day, SLCC days about how Spielberg was saying, oh, yeah, it would cost like 750 to see Lincoln, but it'll cost you like 30 bucks to go see Iron Man. And yeah. 
I mean, I hate to say it, but Spielberg has a point. That is the point where we're getting, especially as less and less people are going to the theaters, meaning that they're going to have to come up with some with more and more gimmicks. It's the same thing we saw in the 50s with 3D and Smell-O-Vision because everyone was staying at home watching TV for free. They had to do these gimmicks to get people to come back. We're yeah. kind of reaching that same point again where now we have good 3D, but there's going to be another gimmick down the road that they're going to try to force down our throats to get people to come back. I completely agree with you. So for right now, I'm enjoying the ride for what it is, but but the the ride eventually has to have an end. Yeah, we're gonna you know we're gonna get to the gas station and I'm not gonna get back in. I'm yeah, just exactly. gonna call it good and hitchhike my way home. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and then just kind of as a wrap up question, because we have been bringing up you know we have Ryan Johnson, we have J.J. Abrams, we have Tim Lord and Chris Miller, Ron Howard, all that stuff. So this is one of the things I've seen a lot of people speculating online is like who would like if you had a brand new star Wars project that they could do, uh, which directors would you like Disney to hand the reins to? And this will be kind of like a really great wrap up for it. Um, for me, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right off the bat. I, Ryan Johnson a while ago would have been my pick would have been mine because at at that point I'd, I'd seen enough good stuff from him to say, yeah, I think he has potential to be able to do it. And, but the problem is, Last Jedi's come out at this point. So I can't mm-hmm. necessarily say him. So I'll say my next best one, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I think if you gave him the right idea, Neil Blomkamp could make a Star Wars movie work. He had, before people jump by my throat, he has to have the right idea backing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Neil is good with sci-fi, but he's not necessarily good with all kinds of sci-fi yet. So at that point, if you gave him like, I don't know, a droid movie or something like that where where he you give him his ability to shine... I think he'd be able to pull out a really great Star Wars movie. I'm not saying we want a C-3PO movie. I'm saying like it would be awesome if all of a sudden he's like, oh, I can make a droid movie. I will make one on IG-88. And, and well, yeah. we all think it's amazing. Well, yeah, in the current extended universe, there's even characters that he could use. Like, because the one character in the comics that was introduced, Dr. Afra, would probably be a good character for Blancam to work with because she's very much a technologically oriented yeah. Star Wars character. Yeah, so Neil Blanc- Blancamp would be my pick. Um, I'm going to go with the film expert here. So, Romney, who's the director you would pick to do a Star Wars film? Ugh, well, it, it's tough, but I guess in the terms of like, pure feasibility in terms of who they could get because i mean there are some filmmakers that come to mind but they're they wouldn't make a star wars movie because yeah. of political reasons with their home country but as for a director i would want to see at least do something with star wars that would have to be guillermo del toro i definitely would want Holy to see crap i didn't even think about that yeah and this may be because i just barely saw the shape of water but i like in terms like you mentioned Blancap is good with like hard sci-fi i would want to see how Del Toro would handle like kind of the creatures, even kind of the mystical side of Star Wars. I mean, maybe it would be we would probably get a good version of the Ewok movies, for example, where it explores kind of the the fauna and the mystical side of the Star Wars universe. And so that would be something I would want to see. But the cool part about that also is that Del Toro is such a left hook in that regard. Like he's he's such a a, a filmmaker that you wouldn't think would take on a Star Wars project. So at that point, it, like he may to to put this for for somebody who doesn't know as much film as we do it makes about as much sense to bring del toro in to do a disney movie as it or uh, to do a star wars movie as quentin tarantino you you i don't i don't i just can't see it in my head tarantino accepting a star wars movie well, well especially he's after doing star trek well yeah and he's <laughs> doing star trek yes. well yeah and especially after the whole dispute with the hateful eight and the force awakens edging out the hateful eight out of certain theaters because of the projectors yeah exactly so I mean, but yeah, and I guess a close second, and this would be like a director I would like to see, and again, because I recently saw a film they made, and that would be Derek Yee. 
Derek Yi is a director. He's done a lot of wuxia films in yeah. China. The most recent one I saw, which is why he's in my mind, is Swordmaster, which is a wuxia film. And so I would definitely, even if it's not Derek Yi, I would definitely would want to see a Chinese or Hong Kong filmmaker given a Star Wars movie just to see what that would look like, to see would it be a, a martial arts movie that just happens to be set in the Star Wars universe. I immediately scream, give them the old Republic. Just give them the old Republic and let us have like wushu lightsaber fights. That would be amazing. Yeah, so like people like Derek Yi, Zhang Yimou, but again, because yeah. Zhang Yimou is the director who spends every other film release in a jail cell. <laughs> Plus the Great Wall, enough said. So yeah, yeah, like main choice, Guillermo del Toro, I would want to see what he would do with the Star Wars universe, even if it is just a side story. I just want to see what his mind would come up with. All right, and so I'm actually going to pull a swerve here. Brinton, your pick for a director for a director for a Star Wars film. Oh man, that definitely was a swerve. Um, to we'll, be, we'll finish things with Alex because he's kind of the he's the anime expert and also the he's also a little bit of a movie expert in his own right. So at that point, I also would love to hear like an anime studio or something like that. Get well, thinking on that, Alex. All right. <laughs> Alex is like, I've already made up my mind, but I guess I'll make a new one. <laughs> um, honestly, I like whenever I went to go see films, I didn't really like look at movies the way that you guys do. Yeah. Um, I've started to look at it more that way as I've come to be part of this community and to get to know, like, all of you a lot better. So honestly, I don't really have an answer because I'm still learning, like, how certain directors direct their films and, like, remember, I mean, like, I mean, like, for example, I could easily say, like, oh, Zack Snyder, like, Batman versus Superman, why? (laughs) Like, but then I could, but then I can turn that around and be like, I feel like he's made it like he's trying to make a comeback and he's realized from his mistakes. And I like justice league the end. So yeah, I can make simple comics, like like comics what? comments like that. But, um, but I don't have as much of a director knowledge base or an understanding to your point to really answer this question. Unfortunately, oh, well, trust me, I don't have that much and, of a director knowledge base. I'm well, just winging it. And to kind oh of, my gosh. Okay. Although the, the con, the idea of Snyder directing a star Wars movie isn't too far fetched. Cause no. as a director, he strikes me as the kind of the director that needs to be paired with the right people. So if you were to pair someone like Snyder with someone as firm as Kathleen Kennedy, you probably would get something pretty decent. Well, it's it's the same argument that we made in a, I think it was a couple of weeks ago where Ron Howard makes sense that that Kathleen Kennedy would pick him because he's a very political director. He can he can play the politics of the studios and all that. Zach can do the exact same thing and and I hate to say it so is my so can michael bay kind of thing so like those are kind of the people that you would expect to be like likely candidates for these movies uh just because they they know what to say right to to appease the studio mm-hmm. kind of thing. all right and then alex and I'm, I'm i'm tacking one on because you're the anime reviewer and this is the 12 days of anime for crying out loud give me a studio that should take on star wars all right so you want me to start with the anime studio then? Start with the director. All right, start with the, as far as like say live action directors, Del Toro and Blomkamp are great. I actually was gonna say Blomkamp too. Yeah, I was kind of wondering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though Blomkamp's experience is a lot more with harder sci-fi, he definitely yeah. has the effects knowledge. Uh, I think Dean Israelite's really an up and coming because Power Rangers was a pretty decent movie. You know, if if we were if we were in the Project Almanac days, I wouldn't agree with you, but Power Rangers has, has brought me well, over to it. I'd him. still even with Project Almanac, I don't think Project Almanac was a terrible movie. It's just No, it, that, but I'm saying like Power Rangers really warmed me to the guy. Mhm. Uh I suppose one more that comes to mind would be David Fincher, 
seeing as he's had experience at ILM because he started with ILM yeah. as and, a director. And I know Luke has actually tried getting him to direct a Star Wars movie at some point in the yes. past, both Fincher and Lynch. I can't yeah. remember which one now, but I think it was, like, it was, like, it was one of the prequel it. movies, wasn't it? Yeah. Possibly. This was like shortly after the release of Return of the Jedi, even back when he was initially wanting to make three trilogies with the same characters, which yes, yeah. that was a thing. Hmm. You know, Fincher, even though he hasn't done anything really like big in spectacle films, it's like like Star Wars, he definitely has the effects experience, not just from his Star Wars days, but even on the social network where they digitally replaced Army Ham well actually they replaced the other actor to put Army Hammer's face on the other actor yeah. to fill the Winklevoss twin role. So Fincher has the effects experience and he's had the experience with ILM, so and he's a pretty good storyteller as directors go, so there you go. I'd say David Fincher, okay. um, Neil Blomkamp, and Dean Israelite for my choices. All right. As and for anime studio. Anime studio. This could kind of go almost any way. See, I'd almost hand it to Bones. I, I, I love what Bones does with properties like this. Yeah, but... Bones has a lot of sci-fi. I think production IG would probably be a good safe uh, yeah, bet. Yeah, IG would be. Yeah, IG would, was the one I first thought. Yeah, yeah, just because they've had tons and tons of experience in sci-fi shows like this. So is Bones, because Bones has like Eureka 7, and you know, Sunrise would probably be another one, because Sunrise has the whole Gundam to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is why, for the longest time, and I don't count on this happening now that Disney has it, but I was always hoping we'd kind of get one of these anime anthology collections, like we had with Batman, like we had with Halo, where they just gather a bunch of studios oh, together. Oh, you mean like for a Star Wars DVD? Yeah. Oh, that would be, that'd and be make, great. just gather a bunch of different studios and different directors and have them make little 5, 10 minute, 15 minute shorts. Yeah, because like one I would want to see to throw the an anime studio in there would, I definitely would want to see what Studio Kara would do with Star Wars. Yeah. Cause, and yeah. I'm going off of the work they did for Fire Emblem Fates and Fire Emblem Warriors because they did a lot of those cutscenes. And I'm thinking, Kara's on a studio. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and so I definitely would want to see, even if like even if they just, hey, make a Star Wars Warriors game, I would want to see what Studio Kara would do with that concept. That would be really cool. Yeah. I would that yeah, that that's yeah. Oh my gosh. I want that now. How can we get this to happen? Well, we would have How? to find, we would have to convince EA to partner with Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja, which I don't see happening. <laughs> oh. Oh. I love what have I done, Brody. people? You, well, it's either that or I squee. Which one would you like? Gynax is another studio. Oh wow, because I mean, Gynax is still like dedicated fans. So at yeah, I mean, even even though I think Gynax and Trigger and Kara, just all the sort of studios that splintered off from. Gynax originally all three of them should get Star Wars because they were packed filled with fanboys I'm, I'm starting to be in your camp I actually want to see studio all those studios do like little 10 minute segments and try to earn their oh, way yeah. and one and one filmmaker that now that we're talking like animation I would definitely want to see what Shinji Aramaki would do with a Star Wars like just as a Star Wars spinoff when you look at the way Clone Wars is done if they just made a spinoff yeah. movie set in the time of Clone Wars but gave it to Aramaki's team I think that would be something pretty cool to watch all right, and so there you go. We have some amazing ones. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that, well, the like, uh, I'm sure a few people will throw out people like Joss Whedon or the uh, the Wachowski sisters on why they. I, I don't necessarily buy that they would be able to do. Like Whedon's done. We, I, I love you, Joss, but you're done, and you don't have. You could go live in your cabin in the woods. You've got your money. You're fine. Plus, he's already working on Batgirl. So yeah, he's already working on Batgirl. I, I, I think he's got a little bit more of a future with superheroes than he does with sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi's never really been his thing aside from Firefly, but even then, like Firefly is oozing Western. So that that more goes into his wheelhouse. The Wachowski sisters, 
I get that they did the Matrix and they they've done some good CG work to some people for Speed Racer. I just don't know if I would hand Star Wars over to them. Again, my best case to see if I'm how... worried they get overly philosophical with it. I yeah, I completely agree with you. I was not a huge fan of uh they did Sense 8. If I'm am I mistaken with that? I or... can't remember. I'm not sure. Well, I I mean I've seen their name pop up under direction for Sense 8, and I mean yeah and 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 if you want to see how they would handle the fantastical sci-fi jupiter ascending i mean if you wanted to see what star wars would probably look like that's probably a pretty good indicator and well that film did not do too well so i don't think disney's eager to give them a call well i like jupiter ascending it was it was different yeah Yeah. but that's the problem kathleen kennedy doesn't want different okay yeah (laughs) that's that's mainstream Um, i forgot this is disney we're talking about yeah we have to pick a director that like we'll get through the Kathleen Kennedy fin- the filter and be able to appease Disney well enough. And I like, I, I, even then I still have some misgivings about Neil. I've heard he's a bit of a boat rocker. So at that point he might not necessarily get past Kathleen, but I would like to hope that he did kind of thing. Yeah. And, and with Del Toro, I haven't heard like he does know when to play ball, but it very much is a kind of director that likes to do his own thing. So I'm get my. I'm of the opinion that if but he's going to push the boundary a little bit. Yeah, and it's more of a case that if he were offered, you would probably turn it down for that same reason where he wants to do something original because yeah. it's something that you see with certain directors. That's what happened with Stephen Chow when he was offered to do Dragon Ball and he turned it down, thus leading to Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah. All right, and that's actually a really good wrapping up point. So, like I said, this is not officially done. This is the wrap-up for Why We Geek, and thank you guys so much for... Uh, joining me on this wild ride starting this podcast literally in January and just doing once a month as we go along and this is not the end by the way a lot of people have asked like well by December you'll probably end it no we're not done there's enough uh, appeal for it that we are going to be going into next year I've already got like the first four months all set up so you guys have plenty to look forward to but in the meantime in case you guys don't want to see part two of us taking apart and spoiling the hell out of The Last Jedi, at least not right away. If you want to get a hold of uh, the various panelists and talk to them about Star Wars and their various opinions, we're going to start with Brinton. How do they do that for you? I can be found on Twitter at bvolley01, so B-V-A-L-L-I-01, because my last name spelled different. Uh, I can, And then from there, if you find me on Twitter, you can click on a link in my bio that takes you to my YouTube channel where I do gaming content, gaming let's play content. Um, I'm taking this next week and a half to prep myself and kind of get my channel all like cleaned up and squared away for 2018. So I will be getting back to doing content soon, which I'm excited to do, um, considering that I passed my psychometrics exam and my oh my gosh i never want to take that class again but (laughs) but i mean and yet you never do i better not (laughs) for the love of god if i'm told that i have to take retake the class for a higher grade to graduate i'm just gonna be like fuck you i'm not doing it (laughs) that would suck i've taken i've paid for this class twice you give me a better grade well there's the expletive tag now (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll add a rooster in or something (laughs) sorry that's my bad i don't don't beep i i usually like go find a or i find a (laughs) find a moaning sound for me because this is me we're talking about (laughs) oh my i want to find a bat a bat fleck for you (laughs) i'm okay with that but yeah that's so yeah, that, yeah, that that's me. That's how you can find me. All of a sudden, you should be like, why is why is Ben Affleck coming in, Commissioner, in the middle of a Star Wars thing? <laughs> or I'll I'll find a Darth Vader one for you. Perfect. 
Wait, he actually... No! <laughs> Alex, how do people get hold of you? Well, what you can do is actually uh, put a lightsaber turning on over it. You know. Oh, I think I that's... I don't know, a... I like the Darth Vader no now. Uh, <laughs> something Star Wars themed. I feel yes. like that would be appropriate for... Yeah, maybe an yes. R2 scream. <laughs> yeah, R2 scream. No, Wookiee! Wookiee! Wookie. Do Wookiee! Yeah, do Wookiee. Wookiee Tarzan. There you go. Okay. okay. Figured it out. Sorry, Alex. How, anyway, how can we find... Find me yeah. on YouTube. Shadow Blizzard 3000 is my channel. And if you want to follow me on social media and always be alert to new videos, follow me on Twitter at Alex J. Short. All right. And Stephen Romney of Studio Ghost Utah. How do people find you? Well, you can always find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Studio Ghost Utah. I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Romney's Reviews. No apostrophe. And I'm also on Twitter at Romney Reviews. All right, and then you guys can follow me on YouTube at Drac2326. If you want to follow the podcast directly, though, you can go to whyweekgeek.podomatic.com. That is where all the episodes are posted, all 12 of them. It took it took some doing with the hard drive on Podomatic, but we got all 12 episodes up there, so you guys can enjoy everything from our very start with Disney in January all the way to Star Wars in December. You guys can check all of that out, and then also you can follow Why We Geek on Twitter, which is at whywegeek. And also, we do have a Facebook uh, a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash why... I, I believe you have to search for why we geek, and you'll be able to find that. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us. So once again, this is not it. Episode two of this, or part two of this, is going to go into the Geek News Reviews and Opinions podcast, which we do weekly, where we are going to be spoiling the ever-living hell out of The Last Jedi. So you guys can come and join us. Hopefully, you guys will see the film by then. But of course, until then, we'll see you guys next time.